Being the Worst, Episode 27, recorded Thursday, March 14th, 2013. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsmen. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulli. In this episode, Carrie and Renat review some of the lessons learned from the deployment of LOCAD CQRS. Then, they discuss Renat's blog post about those experiences and some of his ideas for future improvement. This results in a sneak peek of the new event-centric hosting infrastructure that will be used in their GTD sample project. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Hey, Renat, it's been, uh, what, a week or something since I talked to you. Uh, you've been writing several blog posts here, and I need to catch up on all those, but uh, looks like we might dig into one in particular today, if you're okay with that one. Absolutely. Cool. And I'm referring to the one that you posted on March 5th about the best infrastructure for event sourcing in CQRS. And my interpretation of that was it was sort of your latest thoughts on how you might evolve LOCAD CQRS in your mind. None of this exists yet, but uh, just some of your latest thinking on that. And why don't we just jump into what you're talking about in there and what that means. Absolutely. So uh, first things first, there is a disclaimer that I had to put uh, in the beginning of the blog post that this thing does not exist yet. I was just laying out possible improvements for the LOCAD CQRS, which is kind of infrastructure and fabric for running uh, systems locally and on the cloud. And this system, uh, LOCAD CQRS, was used at LOCAD for, I think, two or maybe even three years for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was working out pretty nicely. It was helping us to develop systems locally and then uh, either push them to the servers running remotely on like, for instance, on Rackspace, or to push them uh, and to make them run on Windows Azure natively. Mm-hmm. However, as time passed and we've learned more about how these things actually work in the production, because as you probably know, there is such thing as a theory, which doesn't make any distinction between theory and practice, and practice uh, actually makes this distinction. Mm-hmm. And in practice, whatever possible breaks, uh, whatever uh, can go wrong goes wrong, and if the sandwich can flow, uh, fall down, butter down, it will fall down <laughs> this way. Uh, and also at LOCAD, we had some experience with a uh, data platform, which was our uh, dive into big data processing mm-hmm. using a streaming approach and also using SEDA architectures inside for a really like, fast processing of concurrent loads, which was a really interesting and enlightening experience borrowed from Greg's event store. Mm-hmm. It's available as open source. So like all this was uh, like spinning around in my mind together with the challenges that we're facing, with the problems that we're facing. And my idea was, since in this getting things done expedition, we have to add some kind of infrastructure anyway in order to support server-side deployment and to be able like, to roll out proper secure quote-unquote, architecture. What if we skip importing the code base that I know uh, as being a bit not optimal, Mm-hmm. and just implement the infrastructure, try to implement. It might fail in a new way that I think might work better, for both for the production and for the deployment. And if it works, hey, we happen to have something better than Look at Securus that is much better commented and much better has much better documentation. So you're asking someone who likes technology if I'd like to use a two- to three-year-old thing that might have some known blemishes or try some bleeding-edge new stuff that's just in your mind right now that may or may not work, and just see what happens, right? Yes. 
Which one do you think I'm going to pick? Of course, we're going to do the new stuff. <laughs> well, Alokatsu Cures, to it, it's fair. Like, it works. It's stable. Mm-hmm. Well, aside from the one fact that a few days ago, there was a small glitch, which I introduced myself because I was trying to scale Event Store. Like, Event Store and all the storage abstractions in Alokatsu Cures, they are suboptimal. Mm-hmm. And they're suboptimal on purpose. Basically, the idea was there to have a sample project with implementations and code which is simple to understand. Mm-hmm. It might be not uh, the most performant, but it works and people can take it and use it in their own projects as either as snippets or as the entire project. Mm-hmm. And people have been using that successfully in multiple companies. Mm-hmm. However, at some point, uh, we arrived at the limitation of this uh, code, that event store, the caching inside it, for instance, it wasn't efficient and optimal on really large event streams. Mm-hmm. The other problem, like the biggest performance problem, is projection rebuilding. Like when a system is starting and there was a new projection defined or uh, we changed some projection code, then look at Securus would detect the change by like some smart reflection. And then it will pause the server startup. It will press run all the, the, the events through the changed or new projections mm-hmm. in memory. And then it will dump this projected views into the cloud. And then it will continue running in normal mode. Mm-hmm. And this uh, routine can be slow as well, especially when you're running on Azure. So I pushed a few changes, a few improvements that speed up the caching, that speed up a loading for our cases from, I think, 20 minutes when everything has to be rebuilt to five minutes. But uh, like this was a slightly non-trivial code and I had a few semantical problems in the original code. The original code was not that tested. Actually, look at Securus currently is almost not tested. Hmm. Reason being, we had tests a long time ago, but tests were uh, kind of slowing down continuous improvement of the project. So at some point, after one big refactoring, I just dropped them. <laughs> to be fair, look at Securus runs. It runs on our production. It happens to work. Yes. But I think like it can be made uh, so much simpler, so much better. Like Simplicity and ease of understanding uh, are the primary concern for me within this framework. Performance is the second one. Mm-hmm. And so... I think it can be uh, made so much simpler, but I don't want to impose any feature changes or like evolution of the code to look at Securus community because like we had experience where I was changing like for instance builder syntax or something else, and then people were struggling to understand what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And maybe within being the worst podcast, we'll be able to develop a simpler, much simpler technology that will be tested by uh, like in this project and maybe if you uh, look at internal projects and then we'll offer and it will be more understandable and documented implicitly because we're running it in the podcast we're talking about that explaining how things work and I hope you'll be asking a lot of questions (laughs) you know I will that sounds great and then basically people will be offered a really easy migration path saying okay there is something different but something better and that's that's something is that is known to work within this look at approach of development so you can migrate it we can uh, and we know that it's stable and then hopefully people will migrate from look at secures to the being the worst fabric and then i can actually kill look at secure a sample project <laughs> well that remains to be seen but i think that you know it's not like we're throwing away a ton of concepts that we've been talking about like it's all related it's just um, yeah, absolutely everything that you you put in your diagram and your blog post seem very familiar to me. It maybe had a different name or and maybe a different uh, structure that we're going to probably get into today. But um, it wasn't like you just threw everything out that we've been talking about since the beginning. Oh, and said, no, no. Start over. It's 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 all the same kind of stuff. 
Absolutely no. Uh, yeah. So basically, I'm not throwing anything of what we've been talking before. Mm-hmm. The idea, the change here is to adjust the infrastructure that hosts and that runs these concepts. Mm-hmm. And maybe to enable to do a little bit more in a little bit more efficient way. Mm-hmm. So uh, ideally, like everything, that, uh, all the code that runs on already on Locket SecureS, it will not need major modifications. It will be just maybe a reconfiguration. Mm-hmm. Like the business logic shouldn't be, shouldn't be changed. It's only the configuration, the infrastructure code. Right. Uh, and so basically, like when we're talking, for instance, about the infrastructure, uh, infrastructure, it's in essence a set of machines that run some uh, plumbing and wiring code. And this plumbing and wiring code, it takes care of our business logic. And this business logic or domain models, it can be uh, hosted like in web UIs. And web UIs might be talking to their backend servers. They might be uh, like reading views from uh, some persistent storage server and sending commands to their like, uh, engine. And the engine will actually be hosting the application services, which host our aggregates. Mm-hmm. And the same engine or different engine, like different process, can be also hosting projections which are responsible for taking events and projecting them into the views. So that's all the same concepts mm-hmm. that we've been talking about before. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the effort that was put already in like at SecureS methodology and all the stuff that we talked uh, about in being the worst, it's not going to be changed. Right. It's uh, good, as, good as it is. All I want to introduce here, like a few more concepts that allow to make this model uh, slightly more fine-grained mm-hmm. and slightly more efficient without losing anything, uh, any features with that we had before. And you have a few bullet points about some of the known shortcomings of the existing Locad CKRS, and I'm not familiar with uh, a, lot of, a lot of them, but one that jumped out to me that I knew that I was wishing was there was the, um, the ability to execute the command synchronously if you need to, which is kind of cool. So. Yes. Oh, okay, so basically the shortcomings, so shortcomings of the existing Locad CKRS infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, from the blog post are an efficient key-value storage model for projected views. Mm-hmm. So if you have large lists or you want to query something, or you have, like, then uh, these views, they will not be easy to implement. Uh, what people were doing, it's like, for instance, if you need to have some free search upon one or two fields, then you would and be able to display customer based on that search. One option is to have two views, like two singleton views. One view would contain a serialized dictionary which matches uh, some search string to the uh, customer ID. And the second view would be a set of key, uh, key value, like uh, customer detailed views. Mm-hmm. And then in the web UI, you would display a screen where you allow to search based on that some field. And when somebody searches based on that field, you load the entire dictionary, dict- dict- entire index into the memory. And this dictionary can be really large. So you have to download it from the, some storage into the memory of web UI mm-hmm. or web application. Then you perform some in-memory operations, and then you, uh, if you find some matches, then you load customer details to, uh, that match this search query and display them on the views. So mm-hmm. that and this operation happens every time mm-hmm. when, when somebody's searching. And uh, one way to improve that, for instance, is to use server-side searching, so, because server uh, it can take responsibility of caching already everything in memory. And it will take away the burden of transferring the large data uh, to the web application. Mm-hmm. The web application will, will simply submit the query and get the results already. What's uh, an example? Like, what are, you, what are we talking about? What does large mean in this context? Uh, for instance, imagine I have a business application, mm-hmm. which uh, is your 
company backend. So mm-hmm. among other things, uh, it has a list of all your customers. Okay. And you want to be able to search for your customers uh, based on any important information in them. And mm-hmm. it's like free, free text search. Yes. Uh, one option would be is like to have, have an index, which is a projected view, which contains all that information mm-hmm. in one single file. And this single file can go like 10 megabytes large or even larger. I see. And transferring that every time can be burdensome. Right. Uh, So people, what what people were already doing, uh, they were breaking away from this key value storage and using different storage like Lucene in order to push views, to to push views not into the Azure storage or a file storage, but into something else. However, like the speed of that performance of this operation is not that uh, nice because we're talking, we're dealing with key value storage and we can affect only one key at a time. Hmm. So uh, with this regards, what I'm thinking is to slightly extend the infrastructure support so that the infrastructure inherently will be able to push uh, events in batches. And batching is usually one of the first approaches which uh, where you can reduce latency and in- increase speed of operations. Okay. Then the subscribing projection can actually choose if it wishes to consume events one by one, like existing projections, so existing projections would be st- would still be able to run on that, like in this infrastructure, by simply requesting one one event, mm-hmm. or it can uh, request uh, to hand over like hundred thousand events at once. Hmm. And this uh, batch processing is ex- uh, the concept that we're taking from the data platform, where we used to have data streams, event streams of uh, gigabytes. Mm-hmm. So that might come in handy. Yes. Uh, so basically, when we're talking in general about the infrastructure, the approach and the concepts that are there, and uh, while talking that I'm referring to the uh, ideal and imaginary Wildcat Securities diagram that is provided in the blog post. So we have, let's say, a virtual node. Mm-hmm. A virtual node is some executable as some process. If it's running on Windows Azure, it's worker role. If it's running on a Windows system, it's a Windows service. If it's running on a Linux, it's a daemon. Okay. Oh, and by the way, when I'm talking about this uh, imaginary infrastructure, one thing that I want to try is to try to develop it to support both Mono and .NET from the beginning. Yes. Because we can test and we will not need to migrate existing code to Mono. We'll start developing to Mono for support Mono from the start. Cool, yeah, that'll give us a chance to get... It looks like I saw you tweet the other day that you were messing around with some of the Xamarin stuff and they're yes. getting into all the portable library stuff, so that, that could be some really cool topics as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so our infrastructure, when we're talking about the backend servers, for a start, it's hosted in a process. And like this executable, where for simplicity, we are calling it virtual node. Okay. And single machine can have multiple virtual nodes running. And virtual node is actually an executable... Uh, this executable it exposes endpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, endpoint it's some some like port for which we are listening and on which we'll accept incoming connections. Okay. It can be, for instance, in a usual .NET world, people use uh, Windows Communication Foundation, mm-hmm. or uh, alt .NET people uh, happen to use Stack Overflow's library, which is I think Service Stack. Right, Service Stack. Yep. Uh, Service Stack libraries, which make it dead easy to expose some uh, API some endpoints uh, over a given port. Mm-hmm. So this process, it has this uh, given port, which actually allows you to execute messages on that service, execute methods on that service from any other service in, on the intranet or in the inter- entire internet. So we have basic connectivity. So already uh, like nodes or uh, can talk, talk between each other 
or uh, clients can talk to the nodes. Okay. And in our code, we can determine where these uh, endpoints will be wired to. Because endpoint, all it does, it simply accepts a message. Okay. And we can wire this endpoint directly to the command handler, directly to the handlers of the application service. And because this wiring is direct, that means that if somebody else is calling virtual node, if sending a message to that virtual node, this message will be dispatched to the command handler. And when the command handler finishes execution, either with exception or with uh, success, it will be able to return that value back immediately to the caller of the virtual node. So we have synchronous command execution. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, uh, we can say that we don't want to wait for the command to be executed because this binds us to the server lifetime and we want to uh, to put the, the message in the queue. Mm -hmm. and, and we will not, like, so we fire and forget. Mm -hmm. And the server will uh, be guaranteed to process that message in due time. Do you still have to send the message to the node, then the node puts it in the queue, or do you just send it directly to the queue? There are multiple options for the simplicity's sake. I'd say that we'll leave that option open. Okay. Inside the virtual node, because I see in the diagram where you have uh, virtual nodes and then an arrow pointing to command handlers, and it says, you know, virtual nodes host command handlers. Yes. Is the code that we know today in GTD, the application service, is, is that application service pretty much going to move over as is running inside that EXE? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and then the command handlers, are those the things in the application service, or are those literally the methods on the aggregate? These are methods on application service. Okay, got it. So basically, application service, it groups multiple command handlers. Right. Or it, it, or it provides command handling methods. Okay, cool. So yeah, so, so uh, in your diagram, command handlers is just another way to say those when methods we already see in our application services. Yes, yes. Got it. Uh, and technically and hopefully, like none of the code, like none of the domain code from the, being the worst project, it will change. Okay. Uh, infrastructure code and like all the wiring code, it might change. All it right. will change. All right. But that's it. Okay. And so we have command handlers and the methods on these command handlers or methods on the application services. So, uh, it can technically be called in two ways, by calling a command endpoint mm -hmm. and waiting for the command handler to execute or uh, by putting a message into the queue. And then the infrastructure, uh, when it finds that command handler, it's uh, waiting. It's like it doesn't have any better work to do. It will uh, pass a message to that command handler. Yep. Uh, advantage of direct synchronous call for the endpoint directly it's that we're getting the reply back. So if we are interested in the failure, like if the command executed with success or failure, uh, we do not need to have information travel back for the event for the view. We get it immediately. We don't right. need to wait. We don't need to pull. That's really easy for the web UIs. Yeah, and that's pretty uh, much the, exactly what our, our console is doing right now, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, the drawback is that if you have only one virtual node running, and that virtual node is down or overloaded, then your web UI will be frozen. Mm -hmm. So I'd still, in my code, prefer to have uh, asynchronous dispatch, except some cases. Yes. Like, for instance, like registration, which is messy, which is complicated, and I'd prefer to have the result back immediately. I see. Okay. So we've said that virtual nodes, they can host command handlers, and they, uh, they can host command endpoints, which link to each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, there might be some persistent queues, which are messages from which are dispatched to the command handlers. 
and the clients can put the messages into these persistent queues for uh, asynchronous processing. And then just so I understand how it would likely work, when, when in the diagram you see this persistent queues with an arrow to command handlers with a dispatch, like, mm-hmm. is the command handler or the virtual node or something pulling the queue, or is the queue pushing those messages in? The queues are uh, usually, they are kind of, what's the word, passive. Like, for instance, a queue in Windows Azure mm-hmm. or a queue in, or like based on the file system, mm-hmm. unless you're implementing notification uh, monitors. Uh, it's passive, so you have to pull them. Okay, so the, node, the virtual node's likely going to be the one checking the persistent yes. queues for messages. Yes. Okay. If the queue is actually pushing the messages to virtual node, if it's like some active queue, then it can simply push the queue directly to the command endpoint. Yeah, it would just be like the, the queue is just acting like a human would. Yeah, yeah, got it's it. calling. Okay, yeah. okay. And so, uh, one additional concept that we have it's event store. So uh, the event store uh, it can be something production capable, like Greg's event store, mm-hmm. or uh, for the simplicity of development, we can also uh, have our own tiny event stores, which are good for small projects and for the development purposes, and which are really lightweight. Mm-hmm. And so, command handlers, when uh, since they're host calling like aggregate methods, and aggregate when it commits, it saves events to the event store. So this stuff goes to the event stores. Yep. As uh, in two event streams in event stores. And previously in Locat Securus, what we were doing is that when something is added to the event store, then we're publishing that to the same queues, one by one. And this was creating a rather clunky model. A slightly better approach is to define event handlers, which are actually chasing the event store. Because event store is a bent on the stream of data. Mm-hmm. And we're simply adding the stuff at the end. Right. And if a view is interested uh, in certain events, instead of polling for the persistent queue to get messages one by one, it can actually instead poll the event store directly. And while doing that, it can ask not for one single message, uh, that's what happens in the queues, but it can ask for 10 or 20 messages. Now, who, who's actually doing that polling in the event store? Like, uh, in both cases, it's the infrastructure. In the existing look at SecureS, the polling uh, and the information passed from the event store to the projection is done by the uh, like look at SecureS. Okay, so the code, in, just like it was polling the queues, the virtual node is going to pull the event store, but and after it pulls those messages from the event store, the event handlers will handle them. Yes. The event handler pull- isn't the thing polling the event store. There are multiple options I'm currently experimenting. So mm-hmm. the gist I've provided you with, and we might include that in the notes, uh-huh. uh, is just one viewpoint that I'm trying to implement. Uh-huh. So uh, maybe we would support projections that actually pull event stores themselves. Mm-hmm. And they can actually determine how much uh, do they want to sleep between the polls, how much do they events do they request. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be worth actually implementing also abstract projection, which pulls event one by one, and that is capable of hosting our existing projections from Locat Secure's code. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. And we have covered the projections and views. We've covered command handlers. And command handlers will be sitting on an application service which hosts aggregates with event sourcing. That's the stuff that we already discovered. Yes. One additional thing that we can uh, handle here, actually. Oh, no, two additional things. First additional thing, it's uh, process managers. So process manager, or sometimes they're being referred as sagas, it's a code that reacts to the events and invokes something in the return. And one thing currently in Locket SecureS, the process managers are implemented as projections and tasks that run on top of these projections. 
So a projection is responsible for, for instance, displaying a list of active customers. Mm-hmm. And the task, it does exactly what a human would do. It looks at this list once in a while. And if it sees that one customer has delayed their payment, it sends a command saying, okay, this customer has delayed the payment. I see. However, with event store polling approach, we can also implement a slightly different model where there will be subscriptions, like the processes that actually watch the events. And if they find some interesting event, they actually would put a pointer to that back to the event store. They will just be saying, uh, they'll be marking, okay, this event uh, is associated with that process. This event is associated with that process. I think Greg calls them links. And then you will have these links are, in essence, events that can feed and aggregate with event sourcing, but like in a slightly reversed way. So you'll have also different projections that are polling event store for their uh, links that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. I know that this might sound slightly complicated because uh, that's something, methodology of which I haven't thought through, but technically that should allow to have event-sourced sagas, event-sourced projections. Uh, implicitly, that's something that is already done, for instance, I think in Jonathan Oliver's event store, and that's something that's supported in Greg's event store via linking. Hmm. When you look at your diagram and you have the process manager, as you explained it, um, and today uh, in LOCAD, you said it was uh, kind of like uh, tasks, sort of like scheduled tasks of periodically looking yes. at views. Um, what's the concept of what if there were multiple things that needed to happen? Like I, I don't know. I don't know if I should call it workflows or not, but I guess multi-step processes that have multiple tasks. Like, what do you tend to call those things? Uh, usually, I tend to call them and model them as aggregates. Okay. So uh, there can be uh, an aggregate, and it can be subscribed to interesting stuff. So it watches all events, and if some interesting event happens, then it will sell uh, like uh, the subscription or port or receptor it will send the command to the aggregate saying, okay, hey, this happened, react to, to it. This happened, react to it. Mm-hmm. And this aggregate will con- gather information about the stuff that has happened. And then if after a certain event a reaction is needed, it will act on that. And so be- that aggregate's just keeping track of the state that it cares about in that multi-step process and it knows. Yes. That's Okay, I see. We don't need to probably get into that. The details, uh, but, but. For instance, uh, let's talk about the registration process. Mm-hmm. Like in registration process, when we're like when first user registered, we need to create him an account for him. We need to send him an invite email. We need to create a security information for him on the server side. Mm-hmm. So that's for simplicity's sake. That's three different steps. Yes. One step would be to run something that on the system, and then have separate process that simply watches like for this specific registration. And after like all the three steps have been completed it will uh, say, send an event saying registration completed. Mm-hmm. Another approach is to model that as aggregate, uh, which is a registration aggregate. Uh, and it will be actually controlling this registration process by calling uh, the required services, by scheduling work, and uh, by subscribing to notifications from the services. And once it detects that all three steps are completed, it will say registration is completed. Yeah, and it's it's it doesn't need to be sitting around in memory waiting for the stuff. It's just reacting to each event that you've defined as part of the workflow, for lack of a better word. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so it sees the event, it loads up, sees what it needs to do, uh, reacts to the next event, and goes back to sleep and waits for the next event it cares about. Although slightly, it was slightly more different, when event was coming, we actually were sending command. Mm, I see. 
So uh, when event, ca- uh, it, like even for instance, security information created mm-hmm. came, we would send a command to the uh, aggregate saying react to security event created. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course, yeah, mm-hmm. that's how you keep the workflow chain going. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you just uh, yeah. although. Uh, there is a subtle problem is that we're sending too much uh, messages around and it's just being complicated. And one other approach would be actually is to have a subscription, which basically something that listens to the events. It's, it can be actually it's kind of projection. It's mm-hmm. event handler mm-hmm. that can accept events in batches or one by one. And when event comes, it will not send a message for the queue. It will call the aggregate directly. So that might save a few round trips of messages. I it, see. it will be faster. Oh yeah, because you've got this these endpoints and the synchronous ability. You can you can say you know what to do next. Just call it right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool. So uh, this might make code a bit simpler. And if people are interested in doing like it's the old-fashioned way, when event comes uh, in, we publish a command. It can be done. I see. All right. Okay. So that was a quick overview of what I'm trying to do with uh, being the worst and fabric. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it doesn't sound uh, extremely complicated. No, it doesn't at all. Mm-hmm. It sounds, uh, it makes a lot of sense. The um, If I'm looking at the diagram here, though, is there um, is there anything other than the actual implementation, the command endpoints on in your diagram and the management console, they're doing similar things, with, aren't they? Or uh, No. So command endpoint is a kind of API, Exposed mm-hmm. by the virtual node that can accept incoming messages and do something with them. Mm-hmm. Management console, it's a like standalone client app. It can be a console app that can interact with virtual node via a dedicated endpoint. And for this dedicated endpoint, it can actually, for instance, see performance statistics. It can see or it can uh, ask the node to redeploy or it can see how many commands did it process within last 10, mes- 10 minutes. So the management console isn't talking to the command endpoint to do that? Uh, it's to- Probably it would be talking to specialized I see. virtual it's, node endpoint. I see. It's like kind of like a, the admin endpoint or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, basically, that's because in Locat Securus, one of the problems that we discovered is that when worker is running in the cloud, it's pretty hard to figure out what the heck is going on there. <laughs> yeah. Because logs, you don't... Uh, well. First of all, it's not that easy to do simple logging in the cloud because you have other blobs, and blobs are either block blobs or blob pages. So you can't simply append to the end of the text file in cloud. Mm-hmm. It's usually a rather mess process. And so uh, one approach would be to have a real-time log inside the virtual node memory. And then if you want to see that, you can just connect with the management console and see what's happening on in real time. Yeah. And you mentioned in your post, too, that mo- most likely the most typical configuration is uh, the one virtual node will pr- likely get paired with one actual machine. Yes. Yeah, okay. Although for uh, simple startup scenarios, I'd say like one virtual node, one process. For instance, we're talking about Windows deployment. So mm-hmm. there'll be Windows service running, and there'll be a website running. So website will be talking to that virtual node. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I've already tried and it seemed to work well, it's deployment agents. So deployment agent is one more node or one specialized type of virtual node or service that checks for the changes to the systems, to the source code or to the compiled packages. 
And if it detects that the repository or uh, Nugget server, it has a different version of the package, a newer version. So what, what it will do, it will grab the executable stuff, like deployment libraries, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. It will stop the actual virtual node. It will copy the information, like files, compiled code, over to the existing location, and it will restart virtual node. Without having to redeploy the Azure way? Like, uh, well, Azure redeploy, it can be slow. Right, right. Like that's with your method, you could bypass that delay, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. You yeah. could bypass the delay and you would still have the ability to, like for the uh, machine to be updated automatically. Mm -hmm. Because like with, for instance, Windows service packs, because they have services and services, they will be restarted automatically. They'll be managed by Windows if something goes wrong. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I, I and, see your line here, manage, deploy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, one additional uh, nice thing is that this technically allows you to have multiple virtual nodes in the machine. And for instance, there can be one virtual node dedicated to the production uh, application server, and then one virtual node dedicated to test projections for that new test UI that you're developing. Mm -hmm. And you can iterate over it and like link this test deployment, or it, it can be running on the same machine or on the other machine, and say, okay, whenever I commit, I want it to be pushed in the production immediately. Hmm. So when you type something, you type new projections, uh, you change the UI, you commit, it goes into the deployment, it's already deployed, you can see how it works on the production data. Yeah, because the, the, the second virtual node on, on, the, on the machine can actually just talk to the production event store if it wants to, to get the real data or real projections. Yep. Yeah. Yes, or push or serve commands. Yeah, that's cool. I'm just glancing over here because uh, you pointed out uh, three, four, f like five kind of shortcomings of, of LOCAD. Were there anything else that uh, you think needs to be elaborated on as far as like what, what this potential approach could improve upon? So I think the most important improvement of this approach, let's call it N-Fabric, mm -hmm. or being the worst boss, okay, we'll still have to figure out the best <laughs> name, Okay, um, is that it lays out the same concepts, almost the same concepts of like terminology of infrastructure mm -hmm. in slightly different and evolved way that allows to capture real-world problems better and to handle them better. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of talking about the domain of hosting domain-driven uh, design applications. Oh, sorry, not like event-centric applications. And this uh, specific infrastructure domain it used to be. Uh, it used to work well in Logit Secures. There were some concepts. There were like uh, projections. There were views. There were ports. There were command handlers. But over the course of the time, we found that there are better ways. That there are better terms. So what we want to do is just to slightly evolve the infrastructure, and the domain and the ubiquitous language of that infrastructure to serve our present need better. Yep. So we're kind of applying domain-driven design, the approach of that to the process of mm -hmm. evolution of mm -hmm. infrastructure that is used to host domain-driven applications. Yeah, the bounded context of the infrastructure to host these things is getting a refresh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's great. No, that's, uh, that's exciting. I look forward. Now, is this something that, um, given the current state of the GTD project, that uh, as you start introducing the infrastructure, we might start seeing some of these new additions uh, soon in the infrastructure? Yes, actually... I believe, like with the current code, with the current implementation, there isn't much more we can currently do efficiently with the GTD domain. 
because we're like we're almost pushing the efficiency of the console to the edge. Mm-hmm. If we want something else, we want to have a desktop application, or we want to have web UI. Mm-hmm. And in order to have a web UI, we actually need like to to have a website that is talking to the server, right? That is sending commands to the server. That is getting the information from the reading the information from the views, which are persisted somewhere outside of the server. Right. Because we already have the console. So the console and the web server, they have to be talking to the, uh, the console and the web application, they have to be talking to the same server. Mm-hmm. So we need to introduce that remote calling capability. Okay. And for the web server implementation, the easiest way to introduce uh, remote calling and remote viewing capability is not by introducing some queue-based setup, but by introducing command endpoints where server can issue command and get result about its success or failure immediately. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems that it's natural way of evolving the uh, GTD project. Yeah. So coming soon to a GTD near you is command endpoints. <laughs> yes. We're not just got to figure out uh, some time to code in between sleeping and trying to, to live life. Uh, cool. No, that's that's exciting. I look forward to that. Um, is there anything else we want to uh, say about your blog post or this topic? I think we're pretty much. I'm done with that. Uh, one thing that I want to mention is that look at SecureS, like in its own, it's stable. And I want just I just want to avoid scaring everybody else by starting to migrate, uh, by starting to write a completely different branch or <laughs> separately. Right. And I believe I still believe that look at SecureS can be improved, but like this improvement might fail. I might we might hit some horrible problem or roadblock that I just couldn't think uh, about in advance. Right. It's like However, a if, safe infrastructure spike to see what happens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if it actually works out, this infrastructure spike, it will be inherently uh, have better documentation and uh, it will have better structure because like there are a lot, uh, at least two pairs of eyes looking at that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And it will have your famous uh, well-commented and well-explained code. <laughs> well, hopefully I'm learning how to temper and balance there, but uh, it's, it's a slow process. You know, it's a very slow process. Uh, so that's cool and like, new and exciting stuff. I love that. Um, I saw the blog post and I was reading it. And I'm like, oh, man, he's going to get me kicked in and totally focus on this. I'm going to forget everything we've been doing so far. And I just want to, uh, when do we get the new stuff or not? When do we get the new stuff? So uh, I, I'm sure other people were thinking about that when they were reading that too. Like, hey, sounds good or not? When are you going to redo the entire LOCAD CKRS? Is it next month, next week? What? So uh, here's your answer. We'll start chipping away at it and see how it goes. Uh, yes. <laughs> And it's basically instead of int- uh, learning the stuff that I know to be suboptimal, we'll try to different journey, different approach of learning something that's it's more optimal. Yep, awesome. that might be. That might be. Yes, yeah, I'll put the asterisks in there on the on the uh, website and everything. So, uh, well, if you have any comments about uh, this episode or any other episode, we're at beingtheworst.com. Please leave your comments there. We enjoy that, and uh, we're on Twitter at beingtheworst. And I am at Casey Street, and Renat is at Abdulin. Uh, you got any side businesses like selling pretzels on the side or balloons or something you want people to go to and buy anything? <laughs> no. 
Well, one can say that there is still an abundance of snow in the Russia. So if you want to have some fine grain snow of highest quality, uh, <laughs> come over to Russia. <laughs> yeah, it's it was like uh, 88 degrees here today. And so snow is not going to survive. The air conditioning is on. I feel really bad for you if you're shoveling or snow blowing snow. That uh, just totally sucks. Oh, so. actually, by the way, I think, uh, I don't remember exactly the dates, but in the end of the April, for one month, I'm planning to come over to the United States. Cool. We're traveling with my girlfriend, and I'm definitely passing. Uh, we're definitely passing through San Diego, San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles, New York, and Portland. Nice. So, yeah, we got to hook up. And uh, I think uh, I saw you tweeted about CKRS beers, anyone. So, if anyone listening Absolutely. is uh, in the path of Renat, then uh, get a hold of him and let him know because he's going to be coming to the US of A and uh, checking it out. So, that's awesome. Uh, cool. Well, I will, uh, try to get back to editing episode 26. This is going to be episode 27. I got to get 26 out. Uh, I know I've been slower lately, so I apologize for that guys, but it's just kind of as I can squeeze it in. So we'll get that out. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that'll do it. And, uh, Renata, uh, we'll see you in the States soon, but I'll, I'll be talking to you before then. Cause you said, end of April, right? yes. yeah. So mm-hmm. what is this? March 14th. Yeah. So cool. All right, man. Well, uh, take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your work day. And, uh, I'm going to go pass out and go to sleep. <laughs> Recording. Stop. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.